What's going on, everyone? Obviously, I am not there on site with you today. I'll be back next week. But right now, my family and I, we are camping. Um, kind of a yearly thing we do, this annual family camping trip. My uh, extended family have been doing this for a long time. We get together. We go to a campsite. We go somewhere. We, we do, obviously, we camp. We sometimes do some canoeing, some hiking, and some swimming, maybe some bike riding. But the one thing that we always do for sure on this trip is a whole lot of eating. We eat a ton. Like we just, we kind of joke and it's like, you know, all we do like whenever, like our idea of camping is just going and spending three or four days eating outdoors. Like that's just, we sit around and we eat. Everyone kind of, we divvy up the meal responsibilities. Someone will take breakfast, lunch, dinner on the different days. And we eat a ton. We eat way better than we probably do, you know, on any other, uh, any other given day. And I know there are so many times when we're camping, I sit around and I just think, I am so full. Like I am stuffed. I couldn't possibly eat another thing. I'm like, hey, is everybody ready to go on a hike? And I'm like, I need an hour or two to digest what I just ate, okay, because I'm full. And I know there'll be times where it's like, I'm so full, I don't want to eat any more today, you know. Like, it, I, we just had this big, maybe this big supper, and I, I don't even know if I want to eat, I probably won't eat breakfast, I probably won't eat lunch, I'll probably wait till tomorrow night to eat again, because I feel like I ate so much. But it never fails, that a few hours later, you know, it's 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, whatever, we're sitting around campfire, and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm kind of hungry again. I could, I could roast a hot dog right about now. Maybe a marshmallow, hobo pie. Somebody grab a bag of chips. Okay, like I'm, I, I'm sitting here, I'm hungry again, even though I was so full just a few minutes ago, or a few hours ago, rather. And maybe you've experienced something similar. You know, maybe it was a holiday, it was a birthday party, or just life, right? You're like, I ate way too much, and I am so, so full. I couldn't, I, I'm not, I'm not going to eat for a week. And then an hour or two later, someone's like, hey, who's ready for dessert? And you're like, I could go for some dessert. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hungry again. It's this crazy thing, no matter how much you eat, no matter how full you are, eventually you'll be hungry again. Like, you're just never fully or finally satisfied. And that's actually the context of the text that we are going to look at today. And so last week, we, we started looking at John chapter 6. And so if you weren't here, when we kind of kicked off John 6 last week, I would encourage you to, at some, some point this week, you know, go and check that out. Find it on our website, hopecommunityonline.org. Find it on our YouTube channel. Um, but we, we started looking at John 6, and it opens up with this miracle that we talked about last week. The miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. There's 5,000 men, so most likely between 15 to 25,000 men, women, and children. So a massive crowd of people hanging out with Jesus. They're in like a deserty kind of wilderness. There's no food anywhere, and Jesus provides food for all these people by taking like a little kid's little fish and loaves, like his little fish and chips meal. And we kind of talked about last week, it was like the poorest food. It was a minuscule little amount, and Jesus makes a feast out of it. And so that's just happened, and now what we're going to look at today, it's now the next morning. So the people, they went to bed with full bellies, they get up the next day and they're like, hey, yeah, we were full yesterday, but we're hungry again, because that's how it works. We're looking for some breakfast, and Jesus is going to use this idea of their returning hunger, their returning physical hunger, he's going to use it to teach them something and teach us uh, something as well, that, that, that just like we have a physical hunger, we have a hunger for deeper things. Um, things that can only be satisfied in him. Like there's, there's like a, a spiritual hunger that every human being, man, it doesn't matter if you're like a Christian or a follower of Jesus or not, you're exploring, you're questioning, you don't know where you're at. Like there is something within every human that has this desire. Um, we have these needs that go beyond just our physical existence, that go beyond what we can see or feel, hear, touch, smell, taste. Like it goes, it goes beyond that. That we have like 
a, maybe, maybe you would call it a spiritual hunger. Maybe you would call it like uh, your soul's longing. Maybe you would refer to it as some sort of existential ache. But it's that kind of level of human existence or that, that part of life that sometimes it creeps up and we try to push it down because it makes us uncomfortable. You know that area where it's like, well, where do I really find meaning? Where do I find purpose? Where do I find my value? Where do I find my identity? How do I know what it actually means to be human? What, what does it mean to really live? Not just be alive, but actually live. How do I flourish? Am I loved? Do I belong? Am, is my life a part of something bigger than just me? Is there something after this life? You know, like th those kind of like deep longings, that's like th those things that are under the surface and we spend our lives trying to satisfy that hunger. And so Jesus is about to come along and tell us like you, you have that desire, you have those deeper kind of things, you're looking for something to satisfy you and I am the one source that will satisfy you. I am the bread of life. I'm the thing that will, that will satisfy you and, and not leave you hungry again the next day. I'm the thing that will satisfy you in this life and in the life to come. So that's where we're going. We're going to be in John chapter 6, picking up in verse 25. Here we go. So when they, this is the crowd that had, had been fed, when they found him, Jesus, on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Right? So they get up, they go looking for Jesus. He's on the other side, so they cross to the other side of this body of water. And they're like, when, when did you get here? Because, you know, we, we miss you leaving. Jesus, you didn't say goodbye. Like, you just kind of up and left. You know, we missed you, buddy. And he knows exactly what they're after. So he just gets right to it. He says, listen, I'm telling you, truly I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and you were filled. And so right away, he just, he like, he's, he's questioning, he's calling out their motives, He's like, come on, like, don't, don't play the flattery game. Don't do small talk. I know why you're here. You're here because yesterday I fed you, and now you're hungry again, and you're looking for a free meal. You're looking for what I can do for you. Now, like, remember, they, they kind of, they're, they're coming. It's, it's Passover time. They have these, these uh, hopes really high about, like, um, the, a redeemer who would come, replaying the Passover, the Exodus story, replaying like being provided manna in the wilderness and being delivered out of Egypt. And they're like, we want another Moses. We want another Passover kind of thing. We want another miraculous feeding in the desert. We want a political kind of Messiah. Where we left things off last week at the end of, of uh, verse 15, like it says that Jesus kind of withdrew from that crowd because they were trying to take him by force and make him king. And so they, they saw Jesus and wanted Jesus for what they could get out of him. They wanted freedom from their Roman oppression. They wanted full bellies. And Jesus, he's like, okay, like, I know, like, the state that I left you guys in, you wanted to make me king so you could use me for your own benefit. And I know that's still what you want today. You want breakfast, guys. You want breakfast. Like, you're, you're, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs. Remember, we... we talked about this several times in this like study through the gospel of john that john refers to the miracles as just their signs because they're not just random things they point to a greater reality they point to something they point to the identity of jesus who he is and what he came to do right the, his identity as messiah his identity as the son of god and he's like listen these signs are pointing to who i am and what i came to do but you don't really want who i am and what i came to do you just want what i can do for you. And there's this, this kind of cautionary thing that we got to be aware of, it, it, of like if you're a Christian or a follower of Jesus, kind of like check our motives because wanting Jesus for, for who he is 
versus wanting Jesus for what he can do for me are two very, very different things. And so it's like, why, why are you really looking for me? So this crowd, is they're, they're there and they're hungry. They're looking for Jesus to feed them again. He's going to use this moment to teach them a spiritual truth. And so Jesus continues and says this. He says, don't work for the food that perishes. He said, don't work for the food that perishes. There's this one kind of food. But instead, work for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. And so he's like, listen, you guys, you're, you're here, you're looking for bread. You need to understand that there's two kinds of food. He says there, there's the food that perishes. There's stuff that spoils. There's stuff that goes bad. There's stuff that doesn't, that doesn't last. But then there's another kind of food. He says there's also a food that lasts for eternal life. And, and he says the Son of Man will give that to you. The Son of Man is, uh, like, there's several titles that refer to Jesus. Son of Man is one of them. And is actually the one that he used of himself most often. So he's like, listen, there's a food that perishes, there's things that don't last, but then there's something that does last, and I want to give you the thing that really lasts. And, and he brings in this idea of working for it, right? He says, don't work, don't strive, don't labor, don't, don't pursue these things that don't last, but pursue uh, what will. Uh, and like in the immediate context, he's like, hey, listen, you guys, you've, you've gone to some great lengths here, okay? You woke up. You looked around for me, you discovered I wasn't there, I wasn't on your side uh, of, of the Sea of Galilee, and so you're like, let's cross to the other side. So you cross to the other side, you know, you search, and eventually you find me. You worked really, really hard to get here, but what you were really working hard for was just to come and get a bite to eat. Like, I, I'm, I'm telling you, like, don't go to such great lengths. Don't pursue, don't work to get things that aren't going to last. There is something that is more satisfying. There is something that can satisfy that kind of deep longing that you have. And I want to give that to you. I want to give you food that lasts for eternal life. You know, so it brings this kind of question to the surface for, for, for us of what is it that we are working for? What are we, what are we striving after? What are we pursuing? Are we pursuing things that don't last? Are we pursuing food that perishes? Or am I pursuing eternal things to satisfy the hunger that I have? Because as I kind of mentioned at the beginning, every human being has this hunger. Like there, there is a longing that humans have for a, a different kind of life. When he uses the word life here, there's two Greek words for life. Um, there's bios, we've talked about this briefly before. There's bios, which is like biology. Um, which is, you know, just physical, biological life. But the word that's here is actually zoe, zoe life. It's like, it's the difference, the difference between bios and, and zoe is the difference between being, uh, being alive physically and actually living. It, it's like there's a difference between like, I'm breathing, my heart's pumping, my brain is functioning, I'm physically alive versus I'm actually living my life. I'm actually flourishing as a human being. I'm actually doing what I've been created to do and what I've ca been called to do. Like, that's the idea of zoe. We, we even have, like, an expression for it in kind of our modern language. Like, in English, we'll say, man, this is the life. This is the life. Oh, this is living. That's us trying to express this thing. It's like, well, when I say this is the life, I don't just mean that this is like, yeah, I'm alive. I mean, no, this is what I, kind of what I was made for. Like, there is this pursuit of, of eternal 
life, of, of the things that satisfy us on a deeper level, a deeper meaning, that bring purpose and value and identity and worth to us, the things that fill us with, with peace and joy and contentment. Like, it's like there's, there's love. It's like that's what we are all after. That is what every human being is, is pursuing. That's what we're chasing after. That's what we're trying to accomplish. That's what we're trying to, as he says here, that's what we're trying to do what? That's what we're trying to work for. We're trying to work for this life that is truly life. We all want Zoe life. We all want eternal life. We want everlasting life. We want the abundant life. We want a full life. But the, but the issue that, that, that arises, the thing that we so often try to do is we try to chase after this eternal kind of life, this, this true life with temporal things. We try to satisfy this hunger within us for something more, for something deeper with temporal things. Things that, in the, in the words of Jesus, food that perishes, food that spoils, food that goes bad, right? So I'm chasing after a life that really satisfies, but I keep finding myself hungry. I'm chasing after a life that really satisfies, and I think, man, I'll have a life that really satisfies. I just need to make a little more money. If I can just make some more money, my life will be, I'll have this satisfaction. If I can just get that promotion, I'll be great. You know, if I could just drive a nicer car or have a nicer house, go on better vacations, then I, then I will be satisfied. But there's always more and there's always more. And maybe it satisfies for a month or a year or five years, but then that hunger arises again. And we think, you know what, you know, I'm trying to find this life, this thing that satisfies. And so maybe it's work, but maybe it's not money. Maybe it's just accomplishment. Maybe there's just, I just have this drive to get stuff done, and if I can just work hard, and so I'm never going to take a day off, I'm going to neglect my family, I'm just going to work, 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 because that's the thing that will satisfy this hunger that I have within me. Or I think life's just so hard, and I need something to satisfy, there's this hunger, there's this yearning, there's this longing, and I'm looking for something to satisfy, and I can't find anything to satisfy, and so maybe the thing that will satisfy is I just need to have a few drinks every day. I just need to light one up every time I get home after work because I need that hunger to be satisfied. I'm looking for satisfaction, and I'm looking for it in my body. So I'm just obsessed. I mean, obsessed with my, my physical image, and I work on my body. And, and it's more than just I want to be healthy. It's like I work out like crazy, and I eat all the right things, and I'm taking the pictures, and you better believe I'm snapping the pictures in the mirror, and I'm making the TikToks because it's like I have to look good because if I look good, it's not about me feeling good. It's about me looking good and you knowing that I look good. That will satisfy. That will, that will feed the deepest desires that I have. Oh, and by the way, now I'm looking good, and I see you, and you're looking good, and so maybe we should hook up and get involved in hookup culture because maybe sex is the thing that will satisfy. And I'll use you, and you'll use me, and we'll just kind of go around in this thing because I'm looking for something that's satisfied. And man, that's satisfied for a night or two or a week or two, but mm, there's something more. I'm still hungry. I'm still not content. I'm still not filled up. I'm looking to satisfy, and so maybe, maybe it's just this social media addiction. Maybe it's the dopamine hits that I get from the likes, or it's the, the rush of adrenaline I get from being ticked off online. And I need, maybe, maybe that's where I'll find life. And sometimes it's, it's in things that aren't even that sinister, right? We, we look to good things, but they're still temporal things. It's still things that perish. It's still things that, that spoil. Even though they're good things, they're not the eternal kind of things. And so, like, maybe where I find true life and satisfaction is in my family, right? Like family will be the thing that fills me. And can I just pause for a minute and let you know how incredibly dangerous that is? I mean, I, I can't 
tell you how common it is and how destructive it is and the fallout that, that I see in this as a pastor, conversations having with people, what's going on in people's life where it's been like, I look for my source of life in my spouse or I look for my source of life in my kids. And that is, listen, that, that'll do a couple of things. Number one, that will crush them because they weren't meant to carry that weight and that will leave you resenting them because it may satisfy for a while, but eventually that hunger comes back. And now they're not satisfying me. They're not meeting my needs. So, you know, he doesn't satisfy me anymore. She doesn't satisfy me. My kids make me so angry. Maybe it's just the fact that I'm looking for them to provide something in me that they were never meant to provide, that they're not capable of providing. We look to, to career and job to be the thing that's like, my job, my career, it must have purpose. It must fill me. It must, like, it, it's got to it, gotta meet my desires. I, I think, this is just a theory, but I think this is one of the reasons, uh, one of the things that's driving what's actually called, the, like, rep people uh, have referred to it as the great resignation right now, right? That people are resigning, people are leaving jobs, people are going to different jobs because they aren't satisfied. And I think this, this is getting at that. It's like, I'm not satisfied. My work isn't filling me. My work isn't giving me meaning and purpose in and, and my work. Like, I have this desire and I have this hunger and I'm looking to my job to fill it and it's not doing it. So I got to leave. I got to find another job because it doesn't satisfy me. Or, or I, dude, I see these posts all the time where it's like, oh, it's usually my generation. Okay, so I'm calling out my own generation and those younger than me were like, oh, it's just so not right that we're, we're expected to work for eight or nine hours a day and then only have like four hours to ourselves and do that day after day. I should be spending my life enjoying life, right? I should go experience art and vacations and pleasure what are we ultimately saying? I think those other things, other than work, will satisfy me, and work's not satisfying me, so I either shouldn't go to my job, or I should switch jobs, but maybe our career and our job was never meant to be the thing that fulfilled our deepest desires and our deepest hungers. Now, listen, that's not to say that those things are bad or all those things aren't good. It's not to, that's definitely not to say if you've got a you know, toxic work environment that you should stay there. All I'm saying is we look to these things that sometimes are good things. There's nothing wrong with them. Sometimes they're a little jacked up. But we look to these things that are temporal to satisfy this eternal longing within us. And Jesus says, listen, you, you have a hunger. You're looking to the wrong things to fill it. You are working. You are pursuing the wrong things. And as long as you keep doing that, you'll never be satisfied. As long as you keep doing that, you're just going to live in this constant cycle of I'm not happy and I don't have joy and I don't have peace and I don't have contentment and there's just a restlessness in my life and I'm constantly going from one thing to the next to the next thinking maybe this will do it, maybe this will do it, maybe this will do it. But he says, I have something that will. I have something that will satisfy you. And so the people ask the, the natural question, right? They say, hey, what can we do? What can we do to perform the works of God, right? And the, the expression, okay, like the works of God, it's not really like the works that God does. A better kind of rendering of it would be, what, what, what can we do to do the works that God requires? In other words, tell us what God wants us to do so that you can give us this, you know, this satisfaction, this full life, this, these eternal things. Like, like what, what do we have to do? Give us a checklist, Jesus. And that's the natural question, right? Because that, that's how every... That's how every system of the world works. 
every religious system, every worldview system, like whether it's from the workplace to the classroom to just like uh, the home. Like this is just, this is how the, the world works, right? You, you put in an effort, and if your effort is good enough, you get the reward. That's how it goes. That's how it's always been. That's how it works. We, and so the same thing happens when we're trying to fill that desire within us. Like, what, like where do I have to put in the effort? Where do I have to put in the work? And Jesus comes along with, and just blows that out of the water. Like he says something that just completely like shatters that way of thinking. Look how he responds. He says, the work of, of God, this is the work of God that you believe in the one he has sent. Here, here, here's the work of God. It's for you to believe. This is this beautiful gospel truth. The work that you have to do is that you don't actually have to do anything. <laughs> but what God requires is faith. And this isn't like faith in the abstract. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, you just got to have faith. And it's not faith for the sake of faith. It's faith with an object attached to it, that you believe in the one that he has sent. It's not, it's not abstract. It's not just kind of out there. It's, no, you trust in a person. Jesus blows this, the system of the world out of the water. And he says, listen, what do you have to work? Like, what's the work you have to do? Nothing. I've done all of the work for you. I've done all of the work for you. You simply have to receive it. You can stop striving. You can stop working. You can stop pursuing. The work is this, to believe in me, to trust in me. Do you, do you trust him in the sense of, of, you know, if you're not like a Christian or a follower of Jesus, you're checking this out. Hi, welcome, glad you're here. Um, there's this initial kind of trust, right? There's this, this okay, I, I, I believe, like I trust that Jesus is, like, he's the son of God, that he lived a perfect sinless life, he died for my sins on the cross, the sins of the world, he rose from the grave to defeat the power of sin forever, and I'm trusting in him, I'm, I'm, I'm confessing him as my Lord and Savior, I'm putting my life in his hands, I'm asking him to forgive me and to fill me with his Holy Spirit, like, there's that initial trusting and in believing in Jesus that is, like, the work of God, that's, that's how you cross over from death to life, it's how you kind of lay hold of that eternal life and step into his kingdom. But then the life of a Christian from that point forward is a life built on still believing and still trusting in Jesus. We, we, don't, we don't like believe Jesus and trust him for our salvation and then spend the rest of our lives working uh, to grow in our faith. No, we grow in our faith by believing and by trusting in him. So when we believe in the person and work of Jesus, our faith grows. Here's what I mean by that, right? If you're... Uh, struggling with like forgiveness like man my faith says i need to forgive people i need to i need to you know like forgive others and let go of those kind of things i don't get better at forgiving people by trying at that really hard the way i get better is by believing and trusting more in jesus because i i believe in him more i trust in him more and i see that man the way that as messed up as i was and what i did and yet he forgave me he loved me and so that should do something in me to where i can love and forgive others right struggling with like man generosity or, or like financial stuff and I think man I'm, I'm kind of tight I'm closed fisted and I don't want to offer my best it's like wait but, but 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 I believe and I trust that Jesus offered his best for me and so when I believe that when I trust in him I'm able uh, to, to kind of open my hands up and, and let go I think about yeah I'm, you know, I'm supposed to serve people and love my neighbor I don't want to do that I don't I don't get better at doing that by trying harder I get better at doing that by being by believing and trusting in Jesus being drawn into him and saying, wow, this is what he did. I, I, I can do this as well. He can empower me to do this as well. 
that the work of God is this. The work of God is this, that, that you believe, that you trust in the one that he has sent, that you trust in me. And the crowd says, what sign then are you going to do? What are you going to do so that we can see and believe you? What are you going to perform? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, just as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. It's like, okay, okay, Jesus, we, we, we hear you. You want us to, uh, to believe in you. You want us to trust in you. Prove it, right? Prove it. And you're thinking, wait, wait a minute. Didn't he just feed them the day before? Yeah, he did. There's a couple of things going on here, though. Like, they're, they're expecting another kind of Moses, another kind of Passover. And when bread was provided, when the manna was provided in their history, it happened every day. And so they're like, hey, yeah, you, you fed us once. Great. We used to, like, Moses, you know, when Moses was our leader, we got fed every day. And so you fed us yesterday, and well, now here we are again today. Feed us again. And so you got that going on, but then you also have this idea that, that they're expecting something greater than, than Moses, right? They're, they're, they're thinking, hey, Moses was great, but you, you better step it up, Jesus. So what are you going to show us? What are you going to do for us? And now he begins to point out some problems in their thinking. He said to them, listen, I tell you, Moses didn't give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the, uh, is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So he's kind of like, hey, three, three things you're wrong about. You need to change your thinking about. First of all, like, guys, Moses didn't give you the bread. Like, my father did that. God did that, okay? And he says, the second thing is this, that, that my father gives you the true bread from heaven. In other words, what you guys are focused on, the manna of your ancestors, that manna was just a shadow. It wasn't, it wasn't the real thing. It was just a, it was a symbol. Jesus is the substance. Jesus is the thing behind it. He's like, what you had before, it was just a pointer. Now the real thing is here. So this is the, the true bread. And then finally, he says, the, the, uh, the bread of God is the one who comes down and gives life to the world, to the world. So manna that they had, that they, their ancestors had in the wilderness, it was for an isolated group of people. It was for a specific group of people at a specific time. It was for the nation of Israel as they were wandering around in the desert. And Jesus says, this true bread, now that the real thing is here, it's not just for a certain group of people, it's for everyone. That everyone, regardless of your age, your race, your gender, your nationality, regardless of if you're a church person or not, a religious person or not, regardless of what your kind of family of origin is or your faith background, he's like, no, no, like the, the true bread, what I am offering to the world, it is an offer that is on the table for everyone. I want to give everyone this bread. I want to give everyone this kind of satisfaction. I want to fill the, the deepest longings of, of people, that, that hunger that they have in them, the thing that they are looking for. And they answer and say, well, sir, give us this bread then. Like, give it, give it to us always. This sounds good. And then Jesus gets right to it. He says, he says, I am. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. Guys, remember, we're not just talking about the temporal. We're not just talking about physical. We're talking about something deeper, and I am the bread of, of life, of true life, of eternal life, of that Zoe life. Like, I am that bread, and if you eat of that, you're not going to be hungry again on that deeper level. You're not going to be thirsty again in, in, the, in that spiritual hunger and that soul kind of longing. I want to satisfy that in you. I want to satisfy. I am the bread of life. 
and there's these kind of these correlations that are made here. He says, those who, uh, no one who comes to me will ever be hungry. And, and so he ties together coming to him um, and having your hunger satisfied. And then he says, and no one who uh, believes in me will ever be thirsty again. And so you're coming and your hunger is satisfied. You're believing and your thirst is, is satisfied. Um, it, it's in coming to him that we don't hunger, not by actually eating him. It's by, uh, drink, it's, it's, it's by believing in him that our thirst is, is quenched, not by actually drinking uh, him. And that's going to actually become a really, really important, this metaphor that he uses and what we're going to look at next week. He's going to tell people, you got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And he's setting that metaphor up here. It's like, no, I'm not telling you to actually like start gnawing on my arm. I'm telling you to come to me. I'm telling you to believe in me. He says, because I, I am the bread I am the bread of life. This is who I am. This is, this is on this deep level. This is what will satisfy you. It's important to note that bread in that culture, it was like the staple food item. You know, we don't necessarily think about staple food items, things that we can't live without, right? Because we can go to the store, we can buy just about anything. We can live on all kinds of different things. But for certain cultures at certain times and places, there's like, no, there is one thing that if you don't have it, you will die. And bread was that in this culture. You could survive without a lot of things, but you could not survive without bread. It was the thing they needed the most. And so Jesus is saying, listen, as the bread of life, you need me more than the thing you think you need most to survive. Like you need me more than the thing that, is, that, that you think is most essential for your survival. That, that I am not a luxury item. I am essential. Without me, you will die. I am the bread of I am the bread. I am the bread of life. I've come to satisfy. I've come to satisfy. So come to me and not, don't be hungry. Believe in me and don't be thirsty. And, and here, here's, the, here's the thing. Here's the thing with bread. Here's the thing. With, think about this with physical bread. You have to actually eat the bread for it to satisfy you. You got to actually eat it. I mean, you, you, can, you can look at the bread. You can smell the bread. You can, you can know how to bake bread and all the different forms of bread and all the different processes. You can believe the right things about bread. You can have a bread recipe book. You can sell the bread. You can give the bread away. You can do all kinds of things with the bread. But until you actually eat it, it will not satisfy your hunger. You have to actually consume the bread for it to sustain you and nourish you and satisfy you. That whole idea of like eating is a very, it's a very kind of like intimate process when you think about it. In eating, you're, you're taking, you are taking something that is foreign to your body. It is outside of you and you are taking that thing and you are bringing it into your body and it goes through a process in which your body breaks it down and the things that that, that bread was, it actually becomes like indistinguishable from you. Because that bread now, now becomes the thing that gives you energy. It's the thing that allows your body to grow and your cells to reproduce. Like, like, you, like you, you've taken this foreign thing into you and now it's actually become like part of who you are. And Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Like just like food does that in your physical body, I do that in your spiritual life, in your soul. And so it's like, is that, is that kind of relationship, is that reminiscent of our relationship with Jesus? Where we're like, we have taken him so far into ourselves where we have, like, his life is so joined together with ours that it's like, he's, he's a part of us. Are we actually consuming the bread of life? 
for our hunger to be satisfied, for our thirst to be satisfied? Or have we consumed him? Or do we have this nice little bread of life that we leave sitting on the kitchen counter? And we're like, that's my little Jesus bread over there. It smells good, right? Yeah. I bet it would taste really good. Yeah. You should see the cookbook I have that tells me how to, to handle this bread of Jesus. It's like, is that what we're doing? Or are we actually saying, let, let me sit down and eat this bread of life so it can satisfy me, so it can nourish me, so it can sustain me? I am the bread of life. I'm the bread of life. But as I told you, you've seen me, yet you don't believe. And so this was the conversation with the religious leaders in, in the chapter before this. It's the conversation with these people that just saw the miracle. It's like, I'm standing right in front of me, but you still don't believe, you still don't believe, you still don't believe. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me. The one who comes to me I will never cast out, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Again, this is just echoing what, what Jesus was saying um, in John 5. Like, I do nothing on my own. Like, me, like I, I, me and the Father, we are one, okay? Like, our will is one. I, I can only do what I see him doing. I am, I am the will of God, like, living out on, on the earth. And so it's like, I, I can't, he says, I, I do nothing on my own. I do the will of God. Like, what you are seeing is God's will in front of you. And so what is his Father's will? He says, this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he's given me, but should raise them up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father. Are you ready for this? This is the will. He's like, this is, this is the will of God. That everyone who sees the Son and believes in him will have eternal life. Everyone who sees, everyone who believes will have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. He's like, this is what God wants. This is why I am here. I am here to give you the thing that your soul is longing for that hunger that is within you, that thing that no matter how much you try and how hard you try, you can't seem to satisfy it permanently. I want to come and satisfy that. I want to give you eternal life, full life, real life, abundant life that is found in me. Life that, that starts in the here and now, okay? It's not someday. That, like this eternal life, it starts now and it will last eternally in the age to come that he will raise him up on the last days. Like I want to give you this life now and forever. And here's how you get it. You get it by seeing the Son and believing in Him. Here's the will of God. You see the Son, you believe in the Son, you have life. Here's the will of God. You, you come to the Son and you're not hungry. You believe and you're not thirsty. He's like, come to me. This is the work of God. Believe in the one He has sent. And find satisfaction for your soul. So maybe the, the crux of the issue then for us is what, what are you trying to find satisfaction in? What are you looking to fill you? When you go about your life, when you, when you think about those things of like, who am I? Like, why am I here? Why, like, why do I exist? What's the point of life? And, and what's my purpose and my identity? Do I have value? Am I loved? Do I belong? Am I part of something bigger than myself? Like, where's, where's my joy come from? And where's my peace and my lo love and content? Like, where, where do I find all of that stuff? Where do I find satisfaction in that stuff? Am I running to work for that? Am I running to family for that? Am I, am I running to, to social media for that? Am I running to politics for that? Am I running to substances for that? Am I running to sex and relationships for that? Or am I running to Jesus for that? What satisfies you? You see, Jesus is the bread of life, but is he your bread of life? 
Like he, he's the bread of life. He said, that's what I've come to do. But are you going to actually consume that bread? Is he going to be your, your bread? Are you believing and trusting in Jesus and who he is and what he's done? Are you, are you believing that like for the first time? Say, listen, okay, I need that satisfaction. I want to trust him. I want him to forgive my sin. I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Like, like if that's you, come on, like believe and entrust in the person of Jesus. He will satisfy your soul. You got questions about that. You want to explore more about that. Don't push that down. Pursue that thing. Reach out to us. We want to help you take a step on that journey. If you're already a Christian, a follower of Jesus, are you believing and trusting in Jesus day by day by day in everything that you are and everything that you do? Are you believing in Jesus and are you, are you treating him as the bread of life? Are you actually consuming him? Is he a part of you? Is he nourishing you and sustaining you and filling you? And so let me just end with this. This week, we are all going to get hungry, physically, obviously, but we're all going to get hungry kind of spiritually. We're all going to go looking for those deeper things. What would it look like this week as you begin to kind of get spiritually hungry, as you have those deep kind of longings? What would it look like practically if you found life in Jesus this week instead of something else? What, what, what would that look like if, if whenever you feel that longing and that desire rising up, you say, you know what, I'm not going to try to satisfy this by buying something. I'm not going to try to satisfy this by, by eating something. I'm not going to try to satisfy this by scrolling through social media. I'm not going to try to satisfy this with finding someone to hook up with. What if when those longings came up in you and that deep, that deep ache was within you, you said, you know what, I'm going to find satisfaction to this thing within me in the person of Jesus. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And I, I'm, I'm going to open up the scriptures and I'm going to engage with who he is. I'm going to come together with a church family and we are going to lean in and pursue Jesus together. We are going to beg and we are going to ask for him to meet us and to fill us. What if we did that? What if we did that? 